Okay, so we know that uh, politics is heating up in many places in the world right now. And uh, there are many, many uh, contested elections. There are people who are uh, debating a lot of hot political issues. So I want to share with you a dilemma dealing with the hottest, most uh, controversial and the worst type of politics. And that is shul politics. This was a true story that happened some years ago about seats in shul. There was a, a shul that was expanding. It was uh, expanding its walls to, in, in order to be able to accommodate more people to come and pray. And as a result, they realized that they're going to be able to add seats to every single row in the shul. A couple of seats per row. The shul is becoming wide. And so they decided that what they're going to do is um, sell these new seats per row. But when the news went around, some of the congregants protested and said that I bought seats on the aisle because I like an aisle seat. Now you're adding two seats and you're selling those two seats. I'm now not the aisle anymore. I'm in the middle of the row. But I, I, I chose my seat as an aisle seat. How can you sell these two seats next to me and now you're pushing me further into the row? I'm no longer an aisle seat that I, that I requested. The shul board said, you chose a seat, you've still got your seat. Nothing's changed. The seat that you chose is, is still there and you've still got it. These are new seats, it's a new area and that's, that's being sold to new people. So what's your problem? Which is an interesting counter argument that on the one hand, the seat owner says, well, I chose an aisle seat and now I haven't got an aisle seat. The, the shul board is saying, you've got the seat that you chose. Nothing's changed. Your geographical location is exactly where it is. The shul has changed outside of you, but we didn't take anything away from you. Is, is that a, a fair claim or not? Uh, just parenthetically, I want to be clear that the shul that, that we are in the middle of building and have been hopefully going to be opening soon, we're not selling seats like this. We're not selling real estate in, in, in the shul. There's membership of the shul. Uh, people can choose their seats for high holidays, but nobody's going to own a place in shul. Uh, unlike other shuls that do have it that way. And it seems that this is something that, that goes back some time because this, this question came up. And many communities around the world do this. They sell places in shul, like real estate. It's like you own this spot. And, uh, and so therefore the claim that the owner of the spot has is similar to the claim of any piece of real estate. I bought this piece of real estate and somebody's damaging its value now by moving in next to me. So the question is, is that, is that claim valid? Fascinatingly, the topic of shul real estate, of owning places in shul and seats in shul, is dealt with in Jewish law in the Shulchan Aruch, the code of Jewish law, the very, the very found, fundamental and most authoritative code of Jewish law. But curiously, it's specifically dealt with by 
a sage called the Ramah, Ramosha Iserlis. The Shulchan Aruch was written by Rabbi Yosef Karo, who was a Sephardi rabbi living in Israel, in the, in the city of Tzfat, in the 1500s. He codified Jewish law in the most authoritative work of Jewish law called Shulchan Aruch. But he was Sephardi. And because the Ashkenazi communities had certain differences in custom and in opinion, so a rabbi in Poland by the name of Rabbi Moshe Iserlis from Krakow in Poland, he wrote glosses and additions to the Shulchan Aruch. Shulchan Aruch means the set table because he set the laws in a set table. Uh, that was Rabbi Yosef Karo. Rabbi Moshe Iserlis wrote a book called the Mapa, which means the tablecloth. And he put like a, a, a cover of Ashkenazi customs and, and, and laws over the Sfardi table that the, Rabbi Yosef Karo had written. And so when we today study Shulchan Aruch, we find the words of what's the Mechaber, the author of the Shulchan Aruch, Rabbi Yosef Karo, with glosses, additions by Rabbi Moshe Iserlis, the Ashkenazi differences and, and, and additions. Curiously, the topic of shul ownership, of shul seat ownership and real estate disputes are discussed in Shulchan Aruch, but only by Rabbi Moshe Iserlis, only by the Polish Ashkenazi uh, uh, halachic authority. It seems that the Bet Yosef, the Rabbi Yosef Karo, the, the, the Sephardi authority, he didn't bring up this issue, which could mean one of two things. It could mean that maybe in Sephardi communities of, of those times, or in Israel, people did not own real estate in shuls, didn't buy seats in shuls, maybe it wasn't done. Whereas in Poland and in Ashkenazi communities, it was done. And therefore, Rabbi Moshe Sirlis deals with it, whereas Rabbi Yosef Karo doesn't. That's possible. Or another possibility is, maybe in Sephardi communities, they didn't fight over it. And in the Ashkenazi ones, they did. So, so therefore, he had to deal with it. I'm not sure what the history is. But the fact is that Rabbi Moshe Sirlis does deal with these disputes. And I want to share with you something. It's, that it's found in the laws of partnership. There's a, a, an entire very fascinating section of Chosh and Mishpat on, on the, the monetary laws of, of the Torah. There's a section called the laws of partnerships. And when people own a, a, a piece of property together, but one of them wants to sell or one of them wants to get out of it, can he force the other one to sell? And various different discussions like that. In and amongst those discussions, Rabbi Moshe Isserlis inserts a story about shul seat issues. The first one he says is like this that he gives an example of Reuven and Shimon, just two, two names, Reuven and Shimon, who have two adjacent seats in a shul. And Reuven wants to make a mechitza, a wall between him and Shimon. Right, he owns his seat, but he wants to put up a, a wall between him and Shimon. And this wall is going to be on his property, it's not going to be in the shared property or in between. It's going to be in his side, but he wants to put up this wall. Shimon has an issue with this because Shimon says, no, I don't want you to put up this wall because that will make me feel cramped. Even though I'm not having any less space, but having a wall next to me, I'm going to feel cramped. That's, that's Shimon's problem. So what happens in such a case, such a dispute? I was trying to wonder, why would somebody want to build a wall next to him in the shul? So... I thought, well, maybe it, it could be uh, that he gets disturbed by Shimon. Maybe Shimon is noisy. Uh, maybe, maybe Shimon has some un unpleasant odor. There's some, something about Shimon that he doesn't like. He wants to have a wall to, to protect him. Uh, it also does say that uh, there's an advantage of praying next to a wall. 
and somebody should try, you know, to, to, to be praying near, near the wall is a good thing. It's a good thing for concentration, perhaps. Uh, maybe uh, germs. He was worried about germs. Maybe this is, this is a precursor to our times. He wanted to put a plastic uh, protective, you know, COVID wall there. I don't know what it was, but Reuven wanted a wall. Shimon did not want the wall, even though it's not on his property. It's on Reuven's property, but it's going to make him feel cramped. Says Rabbi Moshe Israelis, Hadin im Reuven. The law goes like Reuven. Reuven is allowed to put up the wall in his side, and Shimon cannot stop him from doing that. It's in his, in his side. There's no tangible loss being made there, and so therefore he is allowed to do that. But another case that he brings is when there is a row, a safsal, a, a bench of seats in the shul, and the person sitting on the aisle of that bench wants to create another extension to the bench, another seat next to him. Assumedly, maybe he has a, 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 a son who's grown up and wants to sit in, 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 in the shul, or a relative or somebody, he wants, he wants to sit next to him, but there's no place next to him, so he wants to create a seat next to him in the aisle to add another seat. The person sitting on the other side has a problem with this, and says the no. If you put a seat over there, so then I used to be second from the aisle, now I'm going to be third from the aisle. And I don't want to be. I want to be second from the aisle, not third from the aisle. So that's his, his protest. Why, why, why has he got an issue with that? If he's, if he, he never had an aisle seat, this guy. He's, he was second from the aisle, now he's going to be third from the aisle. What's his issue? Well, I guess convenience. You know, every time you need to get up and go out. So to climb past one person, yeah, not too bad. But two people is already doubling. It's, it's, it's making it more, more inconvenient. I, I wanted to be the second from the aisle, not third from the aisle. That's what he's claiming. So, says Rabbi Moshe Sarlis, he's correct. That protest is accepted. And the guy on the end cannot create another seat next to him. He, and therefore make th this guy third in the aisle, he's not allowed to do that. He, ha he has to stay where he is. So that's really interesting. To make a wall in your property that you're allowed to do, but to add a seat next to you that will make this guy third instead of second, you, you can't do that. There's a protest and you can't do that. What's the difference between the two? Well, it seems the obvious difference is the one person is doing stuff within his space, his own space, and even though that will affect others in, in, in some way, but the effect is so intangible, and I'm doing it within my own space, so therefore your claim that you're getting cramped because I've got a wall in, in my space, that's not accepted. However, the guy who's adding outside of his seat, next to his seat, he is adding to the communal space. The aisle is a communal space. And so therefore, when he does that, he has to do that with the uh, agreement of those around him. If everyone agrees and doesn't mind that there's another space there, so then no, no issue. But if there is a problem with the guy next on this side, doesn't want another seat on that side, he also owns that aisle to some extent because the aisle is common space. And so therefore his protest is accepted. You're not allowed to make uh, an, an, an additional seat over there. And so if we would apply that to our case, it would seem to be quite parallel, that here the shul is adding spaces, 
The guy who says, I bought an aisle seat, now you're, you're putting seats over there. I don't want you to do that. You have no right to do that. You would, it would seem to be a similar thing. Just like we accept this guy saying, I don't want to be third, I want to be second. So why wouldn't we accept the guy saying, I don't want to be uh, the second, I want to be an aisle seat. But the difference might be that in our case, it's the shul that is expanding. The board that represents the shul's interest is expanding. The, the, the idea is that by doing that, they could have more people, raise more money and accommodate more people in the shul. And so, therefore, the common space that was an aisle that is now being made into seats, it's not an individual in the shul that is making that into a seat. It is the board representing the entirety of the shul that is doing that. And assuming that they did that with authority, the board was voted in, it's agreed that they make certain decisions on behalf of the community. So, therefore, they do have a right to, to make that, uh, that aisle into seats. And, therefore, the person paying for his seat, thinking he had an aisle seat, it's no longer an aisle seat. That, that's, that's what happened in, in the shul. That's, 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 that's the deal. Of course, if there was some extra payment that he paid to get an aisle seat, if you had to pay a premium to get an aisle seat, and now it's, now it's been taken away from him, then he'd be entitled to at, at least damages, at least be paid back for, for the extra that he paid because he's not getting an aisle seat anymore. Or perhaps he should have first right to move his seat to the aisle seat. That would be fair. But to, he can't stop the shul from building those, those seats in the aisle uh, as, the, as the shul owns those common spaces. Another fascinating uh, response to this was offered by the Levush Estrad, a Hasidic rabbi, Rabbi David Shlomo Eibshitz. Um, he was asked a very similar question, and he answered in a very ingenious way. He said that we find in the parasha this week, Lech Lecha, that the matriarch of the Jewish people her name was originally Sarai, but God changed her name to Sarah. Sarah, 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 the mother of the Jewish people, originally was Sarai, but her name was changed to Sarah because she was not able to have children, and God gave her a new name, and therefore a new destin destiny, so she'd be, she'd be able to have children. The Talmud, Jerus the Jerusalem Talmud says that when this happened, when, when her name was changed from Sarai, ending with Yud, to Sarah, ending with Hey. The letter Yud came to, a com to complain before God and said, I was a part of her name and now I've just been kicked out. The Yud, the letter, the letter was upset. Why, why, why have I been demoted? I've been kicked out of her name. Her name ends with Hey now without, without the Yud. So the Yud is complaining. So says the Talmud, God said, don't worry Yud, you'll be consoled because you are going to be added to someone very special. Joshua, the student of Moses, then the, and the one who took over the leadership of the Jewish people after Moses passed away, his name used to be Hoshea, but a Yud was added at the beginning of his name, Yehoshua. Joshua in Hebrew is Yehoshua. So God said to the Yud, don't worry, you've been kicked out of Sarah, Sarai to Sarah, but you will be the beginning of Yehoshua. You'll get a, you'll get a place. So don't, don't, don't be worried. Said the Levush Esrad, what do we see from here? The Yud was given a place at the beginning of somebody's name, why wouldn't the next letter complain then? The, Joshua had in the name Hoshea, his name used to start with Hey. So now that Hey that used to have an aisle seat, it used to be the beginning of a name, now there's a Yud put in front of it, his Yehoshua, and the Hey is the second letter in the, in the name. So why wouldn't the Hey now complain? If the Yud complained being taken off Sarai to, to, to become Sarah, so why wouldn't the Hey complain that now you've put a Yud next to me. 
must mean, says the little bush, it must mean that you can't have such a complaint. If you were an aisle seat and you, got, and you, and, and you became the second seat, you can't, you can't complain. You're, you're still in the exact same spot you were in before. You haven't moved. Just some, something else has been added, and so therefore you have no complaint. So said the Levush Although, I would possibly c- c- uh, contend that and say that the, that letter hey was added to the end of Sarah. Sarah got a hey at, at her aisle, at the end of her name. So the hey does have an aisle. The yud had a problem because it was kicked off, and so therefore the yud got an aisle seat, the hey got an aisle seat, and everyone should be happy. And so that's the best way, if we can sort out that everyone who wants an aisle seat in shul should get an aisle seat. People want to stand in the middle, get, get in the middle. People want to be in the back, get in the back. And everyone should be happy and hopefully no complaints. Have a great day.